Welcome to Big Tent Radio on Radio Boise, 89.9 FM Caldwell, Boise. And uh, I'm your host today, Luke Fowler, here with my co-host, Jen Schneider, and we're all from the uh, School of Public Service at Boise State. We have an exciting show today, continuing our series on growth in the Treasure Valley. Um, But this week, we're talking about something slightly different than some of our other shows. And Jen has uh, found us a very special guest that knows more about these things than what I clearly do. So looking forward to hearing from her today. Yeah, I'm super excited about this series on growth in the Treasure Valley that we're doing this spring. A couple of weeks ago, we had Greg Hill and Jeff Lyons on talking about the results of the Treasure Valley and statewide public policy surveys. Today, we're going to be talking about changing lands in the Treasure Valley, and we have a special guest with us. Josie Erskine is a farmer and owner of Peaceful Belly Farms. I know a lot of you out there recognize that name. And she's here to talk to us a little bit today about her story, about how she got into farming. She's going to talk to us about some of the challenges that farmers are facing as we look down the barrel of a lot of growth coming our way, a lot of uh, changing farmland into development. And she's going to talk about some approaches we might take to farmland preservation. So welcome, Josie. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Josie, can you tell us a little bit, you, you didn't really sort of come into farming in the traditional way. Like when I, I have a stereotype in my head, when I think about farmers, I think that this sort of like have handed farmers de- farms down through the generations. You came into farming in a different way. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess I would call myself a first generation farmer in a sense. Um, we all have ag in our backgrounds. Um My husband and I um, decided to go into farming, um, become organic vegetable farms here in the Treasure Valley about 20 years ago. We started farming organically and growing vegetables in the Treasure Valley. I attended Boise State as a a vocal performance major, and my husband attended Boise State as a biologist. And we both love to be outside. We both love to play in the dirt. We were the kids that both could dig holes for hours and then, you know, put um, boards on top and make forts. And um, paths led us to farming. We traveled the world and really got to see how the rest of the world ate and what they were eating. And um, I would say that we would consider ourselves environmentalists and really thought, what can we do to really change um, the state that we love? And um, farming seemed like a great way to do that. Um, I mean, 20 years ago, it feels, (laughs) we were stupid. (laughs) 20 years ago, it feels like organic farming wasn't sort of the taken for granted thing that it is now. Like, I feel like that wasn't even a buzzword quite yet at this time, certainly not in Idaho. And so what was that like for you to to sort of uh, dive in with that approach and and be uh, probably what among some of the only people in the valley doing that sort of thing? Right. There were very few of us in the entire state. We all knew each other's names at that point. Um, you couldn't get organic milk at a grocery store at that point or organic vegetables at grocery store at that point. Um, my husband had a truck tire blowout when we first started farming on the highway and a guy picked him up and he got in and the guy said, so what do you farm? And he said, I farm organically. And the guy told him to get out of the truck. 
Um, so it was a really different environment um, at that point growing organically. We were outsiders. Um, we didn't belong. And um, But our community at that point was in Boise and um, it's expanded. There's a lot of organic growers, and Idaho has a huge amount of acreage in organics um, now. So, and that's just been in 20 years. It seems like a long time, but that's short, too. And so you, um, you're no longer farming in Ada County, right? You're in Canyon County now. What are some of the changes that you have seen in the valley, would you say, sort of from the perspective of being a farmer over the last 20 years or so as, as the landscape's changing, as new people move here, et cetera? Um, you're right. So we have moved our farm from Ada County out into Canyon County. Um, a lot of that was a choice because I think that we'll be able to have that farm last longer um, without development moving in. Um, We've all seen how quickly development has happened in Ada County and in the Treasure Valley. And a lot of that movement happened, it seems to most of us that um, live here, happened in the shadows or in the dark or maybe while we're asleep or we drive down a road and it's completely different than the last time we drove down that road and um, it becomes unrecognizable and it is heartbreaking um, to someone like myself that sees agriculture as kind of a keystone player of our environment and of our social systems um, and kind of health of the community and gauging health of collapsing cultures like culturally whole cultures collapse when their ag collapses and we're watching you know this collapse of ag in our valley and and so then i wonder what that does look like for us in the future without putting that as a priority for our valley what are some of the um, changes you've seen in terms of attitudes towards organic farming and towards sort of the things that the values that you've really built upon as you've built up Peaceful Valley over time? Well, you know, I think people love organics. Um, people would choose to buy organic if they can afford to. Sometimes they can't afford to. Um, farmers are now still a lot transitioning to organics because they can make a higher they can make more money and um, you see the next generation that is coming into farmers when children return to their farms you see a lot of farms transitioning to organic with that transition from the next generation coming in because they want to stay in ag. And so you see organics growing 20% every year. You see it at a steady growth, though it's not a massive part of our economics of agriculture. It is a growing. So that's what young people want to be a part of, a growing industry. One of the things um, we were interested in hearing more about, too, from you, Josie, is speaking of young people, as somebody who came in to farming through a sort of different path than one what might expect 
how can young people get into agriculture? Like these folks who really want to have more of a connection to the land. They want to be growing food in ways that are in line with their values. They want to be outside. They want to be building something. Do you have ideas for those young people in terms of how they might get involved? Yeah, I think right now is an incredible time to want to get involved and become a new farmer. Even in our valley now, U of I has a small farms director, Ariel Agenbrod, who's at the extension, and they have tons of even classes that you can take about how do you start a small farm. Uh, Myself did a program called Wolfers, Willing Workers of Organic Farms, and so I went and interned on farms. And that is happening all over the world right now that you can intern on farms. We see these really cool um, young farmer programs, even through USDA. You look at states like Delaware that has these young farmer programs that they'll give you no interest loans on land that's under agricultural easements. California has this program called Land Link, where young people that are first generation farmers get hooked up with land and kind of access to land. You see these incredible young farmer cooperatives that are starting. Um, We have groups of young farmers, even in the valley, that are kind of coalescing and starting these um, cooperatives to share information and to share equipment. And so I think that right now is like the best time you could ever want to get into farming for the very first time and you're a first generation farmer. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Josie Erskine. She's a farmer and owner of Peaceful Belly Farms. She's here as part of our series on growth in the Treasure Valley. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Josie about some of the major challenges she sees farmers facing here in the valley. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bud Wilson from Portland, Oregon's band On, and you're listening to Radio Boise on KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, though, this is Bud from On. You're listening to KRBX. All right, we're back on Big Tent Radio and uh, doing another uh, episode of our series on on growth, and here talking about uh, farmland in the Treasure Valley and and some of the changes that are going on. Um, So... One of the big things that, that's happening, we know there's a lot of uh, new and emerging challenges that are happening with our farmers, and um, that's what we're going to talk about this segment. Yeah, we're so glad to have Josie Erskine with us. She's a farmer and owner of Peaceful Belly Farms, also does work with Ada County Soil and Water Conservation District, although she does not hear speaking on behalf of the county. We want to make sure to say that. Um, Josie, I wonder, you, you are connected to farmers all over the valley. I'm, I'm assuming both organic farmers and conventional farmers, and um, as you're talking with folks, Uh, We know that across the country, there's really a crisis happening for farmers, right? People are losing their farms. Suicide rates are really skyrocketing. How are some of those challenges or crises manifesting here in the Valley? Well, just like the rest of the United States, we share all of those crises, whether it is from suicide or um, low rates, Um, And then we have the development pressure, too. And for a lot of farms, you have um, farmers sometimes find themselves as their bank poor, so they don't have a lot of money in the bank, but they're land rich. And they don't have a retirement 
set up except their land or however that land was going to succession and a child was going to come in. And, and if the child decides not to come back, then sometimes these families find themselves in situations of how does all of that look for them? How does that transition look? And then another challenge that farmers are really feeling is how do they stay on their land when that development pressure is there at their door and it's knocking? Or if all the land that they are farming, because a lot of farmers lease a lot of land, has been sold to a developer, then how do they plan for years to come? How do they know how much land they're going to have in the next few years? How do they grow their business? And that is really hurting the Treasure Valley right now is the amount of farmland that is owned by developers. And that's something that the public doesn't see, is that sometimes people will say, well, there's a lot of farmland. A lot of that land has already changed hands. It's already owned by a developer. It's not in an agricultural hand. And so that becomes really challenging also for the politicians to try to figure out what is still in ag, what's been bought and sold. Um, This area also has a really, really interesting industry, which is our seed industry. We are the second largest seed producing region in the world because of our climate. And if our seed industry doesn't have these isolations that they need between certain crops, we could see that industry really be harmed. And that would affect the entire world food chain. So it's really like everybody says, you pull on one string and another one pulls. And this area is really integral to the entire world's food production. I'm so glad you pointed um, uh, pointed out that fact about so many farmers leasing their land. When I think about that fact, it makes me think, gosh, as soon as that land becomes sort of... Um, you know, uh, lucrative enough to develop, it is gone. And that is going to happen really fast. And then it seems like it will exacerbate that problem you're talking about, which is that certain types of crops need certain types of land. They need, um, a lot of farmers talk about their their sort of plots of land being divided up. Like they might have a, a, a plot of land here and then a subdivision and then a plot of land here. It makes it farming very difficult and inefficient. So it's really interesting to sort of track some of how fast some of those changes are happening. How are farmers talking about that? In the Treasure Valley, it it um, the conversations are really different. You have you know farmers that are very excited for that development to reach their doorstep um, because for financial reasons. For financial yeah. reasons, you know, and then you have other farm families that would really like to expand, but that opportunity doesn't look like it's going to be able to happen in the Treasure Valley because now ag land is priced at development land and so that's just never going to pencil out for farmers so you see this stress of some farm families saying do we need to move out of the treasure valley you know we've had this farm our whole lives it was our grandparents farm our great-grandparents farm would if we want to stay in farming do we need to sell it for development prices 
and move on? Do we need to move to another area? And so it, I think it becomes um, tumultuous for a lot of families to try to figure out how do they keep this land in ag or should they keep this land in ag? And um, money has great power. So that's really interesting because, I mean, there's certainly other parts in this country where we've seen this move towards urban farming. And one of the examples that always stands out is Detroit, where you've seen this really, um, I mean, an exit of population from the city, um, where they're basically uh, farmers and people that live there have reclaimed former suburban and urban areas and turned them into farmland, but it's because the the cost of that land is so cheap as compared to where it is in other areas. And so we basically have the reverse economic conditions here in the Treasure Valley. Um, So kind of thinking about, I mean, let's set aside, you know, how much value or the the price of land is here. I mean, what is uh, some of the things that might prevent somebody from wanting to be an urban farmer, wanting to, if you have this land and you own it and you're just kind of set aside the development and just you really wanted to, to farm here in the Treasure Valley, are there specific challenges that might come along with that? Well, some of the challenges that might come along is your water uh, deliverable system. So we really depend on irrigation, you know, and that's one thing that like Detroit gets their water from the sky. And so here, if that deliverable system gets chopped up, and we're seeing it in the Treasure Valley that someone will build a subdivision and then the irrigation canal won't go through their land or they won't put access to it or they put um, bad access to it and the farms that are farther down are now having harder time getting the access to their irrigation water that becomes a big challenge right there the other challenge that becomes is that if you are an urban farmer you have to farm in a way that works in a urban setting so you're not going to have a dairy farm you know there's just you're not going to have probably a chicken farm or raise hogs it's just the smell with those and like the the complaints right right it just it they don't go together we do have the right to farm um in idaho but um people still have the right to sue so (laughs) you can farm all you want but if your neighbors keep bringing lawsuits against you at some point you're gonna you're gonna choose to do something different also you know i did talk to an urban farmer and um he threw a rock he was tilling his fields and he threw a rock out of his um out of the back of his tractor while he was tilling and he shattered a window of a house and it was like a huge window like a big picture window that was made to look at his farm and this is something a farmer wouldn't think twice about right out in the country but here yeah Right. right next to another house. Right. Yeah. And I did have another farmer that I know that his greenhouse blew up and ended um, removing like all of these beautiful um, handmade tiles that were on his neighbor's roof. And he had to he had to like replace all of these tiles. And he's living in a trailer, you know, and he's replacing these tiles from a greenhouse that a storm blew so it becomes difficult to to farm um not to say that we shouldn't do it and i love urban agriculture and i think it's great it just is a different type of farming and it's maybe not one that everyone wants to do and if they're forced into it because development comes all around them it it may not be very successful 
If you're just joining us, we're talking with Josie Erskine. She's a farmer and owner of Peaceful Belly Farms. Uh, she's here as part of our series on growth in the Treasure Valley. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some solutions for preserving farmland, some ways to think about how we might uh, coexist a little more peacefully here in the Treasure Valley. Stay tuned. Unexplained bacon. Radio Boise. It's like bacon for your ears. We're back on Big Tent Radio talking about uh, agriculture and farmland preservation in the Treasure Valley um, here with our special guest. And I think the the last uh, segment here, we wanted to talk about ways that we can actually uh, help to, to preserve some farmland and some of the, the things that go on here in the Treasure Valley. And Josie Erskine's a farmer and owner of Peaceful Valley Farms. And Josie, you also work for Ada County Soil and Water District. And so you uh, the, the way I learned about you was I saw you at the Idaho Environmental Forum on a panel about farmland preservation. And uh, farmland preservation is really on the agenda in the Valley now. I think there's sort of a groundswell of interest and discussion that's happening about it in ways that I haven't seen in a long time. There's panels and fairs and discussions. Um, and I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how people are thinking about how we might preserve farmland, what are the tools available to us, and what are the challenges. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of uh, solutions for farmland preservation. Yeah, so there's a lot of creative solutions of how communities all over the United States have preserved farmland. And Idaho has to find solutions that are right for Idahoans. As we know, we're a really unique group of people in how we approach everything. And one way that I feel could really work is through the easement process. And so how an easement process works is the landowner themselves chooses to put their land in an easement so it's not forced upon them, so it's voluntary. Idahoans like that. Um, And they would put their farm into an easement and there's different ways that this can happen. The federal government has money. There could be state money that comes from it. Um, And that farm then is set aside as ag and those development rights essentially have been purchased off and that money's gone to the farm. The farmer still owns that land. The farmer can still sell that land as a farm, but it won't get developed. This is one way that we could move forward, and it's a very positive way because it can infuse money into a farm, and it can make the somebody be able to retire, the next generation be able to take over without a lot of debt. The pushback on this is that people feel like somebody's taking away their property rights. And my back to people that feel that way is, no, this is just a property right that doesn't exist in Idaho. We don't have that right. You don't have the right to be able to figure out how to preserve your land in ag easily in the state of Idaho. You can if you have salmon that spawn on your land or possibly you live in the shadows of the Tetons, then yes, this becomes a little bit easier for you to figure out through financial money or donors. Um, But if you live in Meridian or CUNA, a lot of that money isn't available to you. And so this takes kind of this look at from all of us that agricultural land is soil. 
And soil is worth saving because soil produces food and energy, but soil also is the cheapest and easiest way to sequester carbon. And at this point in our history, we need to sequester as much carbon as possible. And agricultural lands are a brilliant way for us to start looking at sequestering carbon, especially around urban areas that have problems with air pollution, like the Treasure Valley. That ag land, we all need to start looking at differently as it can produce food, but it also can help us with our air quality and it can sequester carbon. And so my challenge to people is don't look at it as an old farm, but look at it the same way that you look at a river or you look at a mountain. It is, it's something that took billions of years to create and we need to protect it. I also want to say that I think uh, non-farmers experience farmland as open space. So I lived in Denver for a long time. They have enormous easement programs along the Front Range. It's one of the most rapidly growing places in the West. But when you drive along the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, there is huge, what I think you most people would just call open space. And it's working lands. There's cattle grazing. It's being farmed. Those That land has been put into conservation easements. And guess what? It makes living there really beautiful and nice and pleasant for all of the urban residents. So I think in addition to everything you just described about the other ecosystem services farmland provides, it's also part of what makes Boise, Boise, or the Treasure Valley, the Treasure Valley. It's why people move here. And we know from some survey work that we've done at Boise State that people really value that. They think of it as part of the cultural identity of living here. So I, I so appreciate you articulating the many different values that accrue to us as a collective and not just to individual farmers as something that we should care about. The other thing people talk about, of course, in addition to easements, is zoning as another tool uh, for thinking about how we might preserve farmland. Do you have thoughts on that? I know the city of Boise is coming up for a pretty big rezone, so it's going to be in the news here soon. Well, I think that we've pushed back against zoning because we've looked that it's taken away rights. Um, But where we're at now is we're going to have to, as counties, do financial zoning. Can we financially grow this way? Can we afford to grow that? Are there areas that we shouldn't grow into because bringing services would be too expensive? Like fire and police, for example. Fire, police, sewer, Mm -hmm. schools, busing children. These expenses to grow in the way that we're growing are not sustainable. And I know that the Ada County is starting to look at those numbers. And this is a real way that we can zone in a way that everybody understands because it's your taxes. So if you don't want your taxes to go up, then we're going to have to figure out where growth goes and where it doesn't go. And so maybe in some way that creates agricultural zones, um, but they're really growth zones. So it's going to happen um, because we can't afford the growth and Everyone in Ada County's taxes are proving that we can't afford this growth. We can't afford what's going on in Ada County right now. And I think Canyon County is the same. 
um, Canyon County is really looking into how do they preserve ag land? What do those rings? That's one of the reasons I moved to Canyon County is because I felt like their development services is pretty progressive in saving agricultural land. Josie, if people want to find out more about you or go to resources that might help them learn more about what we've been talking about, where would you direct them to? Yeah, I would say that the Ada Soil and Water Conservation District has a website and they have a tab, Farmland Preservation. So that's A-D-A-S-W-C-D dot org. And also the Ada District is having a roundtable event or a forum on how do we save ag land in the Treasure Valley. That's April 21st. And you can buy tickets right there and you can become part of a group that is going to tackle all of these challenges. And we would love that group to be as diverse as possible. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. I hope listeners out there are going to stay tuned because up next is the Common Land podcast that focuses on how the Birds of Prey Center was created. And they have a great guest on for today. You've been listening to Big Tent Radio. You can find us on at Big Tent Radio, Facebook and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.